you've likely heard that President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey earlier this week. That decision has since raised significant questions about the reasons why. If you haven't been following this closely, we have all the details of the timeline, the firing memos, the immediate political reactions, and a lot more in our special break-in episode from Wednesday, so I definitely recommend listening to that first if you have not. But today, we will bring you up to speed on the latest developments since that episode. More specifically, we'll examine one critical can-he-do-that question that's emerged as the week has gone on. That question is, what power does a president have to stop an investigation that he doesn't want to see move forward? This is Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. We should be very clear here. Thus far, there is no definitive evidence that the president is trying to put a stop to any investigation. The acting FBI director, who is Comey's temporary replacement, he testified Thursday that the White House is not trying to impede an investigation into the possible collusion of the Trump campaign and Russia. So there has been no effort to impede our investigation to date. Quite simply put, sir, you cannot stop the men and women of the FBI from doing the right thing, protecting the American people, and upholding the Constitution. But here is what we do know. Based on reporting over the past few days, Trump took action to fire Comey as a result of anger over several things Comey had done. First, Trump was angry that Comey wouldn't support his claim that President Obama wiretapped his campaign offices. Second, Trump was frustrated about Comey's Senate testimony confirming that there was, in fact, a counterintelligence investigation into Russia's involvement in the election. And third, Trump felt Comey was not devoting enough attention to investigating leaks to journalists. Then, on Thursday, Trump departed from the White House's earlier explanation that Comey had been fired for mishandling the Clinton email investigation. Trump told NBC News... In your letter, you said I, I accepted, accepted their recommendation, yeah, well, so you also, had already made the decision. Oh, I, well, I was going to fire regardless of recommendation. So there was they, really room. He made a recommendation. He's highly respected. Very good guy. Very smart guy. Uh, the Democrats like him. The Republicans like him. Uh, he made a recommendation. But regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey. So we know the president can fire the FBI director. He can do that. But what are the limits to his ability to affect an investigation? Could firing the FBI director be considered influencing, obstructing, or impeding an investigation? In other words, the legal definition of obstruction of justice. To help us answer those questions, I turn to Susan Hennessy. Susan is a National Security Fellow at the Brookings Institute, and she's a managing editor at Lawfare. Here's Susan. It's clear that the president can fire the FBI director for any reason. That said, it is uh, not clear whether or not this firing would amount to something like obstruction of justice. If there is the belief that Trump fired Comey in order to obstruct the Russia investigation, right, so that this is a pretext, we're not accepting kind of the stated rationale that this is about um, vindication for the mistreatment of Hillary Clinton, um, uh, that would almost certainly qualify as an impeachable offense. Yeah. So you mentioned impeachment. We're not quite there yet. But let's say that Trump was here trying to shut down an investigation into his campaign, hypothetically. Let's say that's what is determined can he shut down an investigation into his campaign? Will this be effective in doing so? Probably not entirely. 
he can certainly do a lot to make it very, very difficult, um, especially if he isn't interested in preserving things like the legitimacy of his office by respecting an independent Department of Justice, right? It's certainly true that the investigation will continue within the FBI and the Department of Justice. Um, that said, it, it will substantially compromise the investigation to have the, the FBI director removed. That creates a level of chaos, actually not just for the Russia investigation, but for all the investigations that the FBI is undertaking. That kind of delay can have really significant and substantial consequences. Okay, so let's shift more broadly to investigations overall. What investigations are currently happening into the Trump campaign's relationship with Russia? So there are sort of two paths here um, or or buckets. One are the investigations that are occurring in Congress. So the two intelligence committees in Congress, they are both investigating uh, broad ranging election interference, including the conduct of uh, Trump campaign uh, officials, possible coordination. Then separately, there are a set of executive branch investigations within the FBI. So FBI Director Comey has confirmed that there is a counterintelligence investigation into Russian meddling in the U.S. election and that that counterintelligence investigation includes inquiries into whether or not there was any criminal conduct on on behalf of U.S. persons related to the Trump campaign. So those are the investigations that currently exist, but Democrats and some Republicans are calling for an independent investigation. How does an independent investigation start? What does that look like? Right. So again, it's important to sort of keep the two buckets clear. So there's the uh, more independent investigations in Congress. So congressional investigations are independent from the president, but they aren't independent from politics. The committees are controlled by a chair who is a Republican in this case. So whenever people have called for independent investigations, um, those have by and large taken two forms. One is the formation of a new select committee. Um, So this is a committee that uh, is going to look into an investigatory matter specifically. So if you look at episodes like Watergate or Iran-Contra, a special select committees were formed for those investigations. The other sort of call has been for the formation of an independent commission. So an independent commission would actually be something that was formed by law, typically is viewed as more independent from politics because it is not staffed by members of Congress. Um, So there are two challenges here. One is uh, that commission would have to be passed into law presumably by a veto-proof majority because President Trump would have to sign the law forming the commission. Um, There's also a question about uh, whether or not the commission has sufficient power to effectively operate against an executive branch that doesn't want to produce documents, um, doesn't want to respond to subpoenas, those types of issues. Um, So that's sort of one bucket. The other bucket is the appointment of a special prosecutor within the executive branch. So we used to have special counsel, uh, independent counsel laws. Those laws have lapsed. Um, And so the only way to appoint an independent counsel or special counsel in this case is for the Department of Justice to decide to do so, right? They have regulatory authority um, that allows them to appoint this special independent prosecutor. The Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein um, will ultimately be the person making the call about whether or not there needs to be a special counsel appointed in this case because Attorney General Sessions has recused himself from the matter. And do you think that either Congress or the Justice Department are going to take steps to, to start these independent investigations? So we are certainly in uncharted territory, um, which always makes predictions a little bit difficult. But it is difficult to imagine on the Justice Department side them being able to continue this investigation without a special prosecutor. Likewise, it's, it's hard to imagine that Congress wouldn't feel the pressure to form an independent commission, a special select committee, something to address these you know, very substantial public concerns. You know, That said, they've proven quite resistant in the past. Um, so a, a little bit all bets are off, but, but it's tough to imagine a credible investigation moving forward that doesn't have independent counsel. 
Yeah. So you've written about Trump firing Comey. Called it. You called it the nightmare scenario. Can you explain why you assert that that's the case? This is an area in which the president does technically have legal power to do something, um, but there is a really profoundly important norm: the norm of an independent FBI, an independent Department of Justice. That is a central check on the modern presidency. If Trump were to sort of disregard this norm and say, well, just because, you know, nobody else has done it or, or only did it in a very different circumstance or, or, or just because, you know, this is, this is a really important feature of checks and balances, I don't care about that. I'm just going to sort of exert my raw power. You know, that's a sign of, of a real lack of respect for the rule of law. But this really is a moment in which both Republicans and Democrats should be stepping back and saying, what path are we on here and where does it end? Because we are seeing a president running roughshod over, you know, norms that have kept this country a functioning democracy for over 200 years. At this point, it's, it's going to be up to Congress to decide whether or not their constituents um, expect them to take action or not. Typically, they will not take real action until they feel that their own seats are on the line. We, we know that's kind of how, how Congress acts, both in regards to investigations and ultimately impeachments. So that's uh, why it's going to be incredibly significant for um, members of Congress to correctly read the temperatures of their constituents right now, what they're thinking, what their expectations are. But uh, we shouldn't kid ourselves that this is not a highly, highly significant event that is frankly unparalleled in American history. When we look at American history, there's a standout comparison that many have been drawing, and that's a moment during the tenure of President Richard Nixon known as the Saturday Night Massacre. On October 20th, 1973, Nixon fired the special prosecutor who was investigating his behavior in the Watergate scandal. Both the attorney general and his deputy resigned that night after refusing Nixon's demand that they fire the special prosecutor. So how relevant is this comparison, and what does it tell us about what's happening today? The Post's Mark Fisher, who you may remember from way back when episode two of this podcast, he wrote about this, and he's also the author of Trump Revealed. We got him on the phone to explain. So, Mark, how closely do the actions that we've seen Trump take this week mirror Nixon's actions on the Saturday Night Massacre? Well, they do and they don't. I mean, on the surface, it's kind of a nice analogy because the president pulls this big surprise and fires someone who's investigating him. So at, at that level, it, you know, the outrage that we've seen resulting from it is very similar to what happened back in 1973. But there's a crucial difference, which is that back during Watergate, the guy who was fired, Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor, actually defied the president. The president issued an order saying, you will not seek the tapes that we have made in the White House. And Cox said, yes, I will. Nothing like that happened here in the uh, Trump-Comey case. So there is that crucial difference. But on the surface, uh, this is a kind of an easy historical analogy that's helpful in understanding why there's so much outrage. Right. And so for somebody who wasn't alive at the time, this, this term, the Saturday Night Massacre, it seems quite a, a dramatic moniker. Was that moment at the time viewed as historic? Was it considered a constitutional crisis? Can you sort of convey what, what the sentiment was around it at the time? 
Yeah, in fact, those exact words, constitutional crisis, came up on the very first night of the firings on NBC. And the phrase Saturday Night Massacre actually came into the vocabulary a few days after that. And Post reporter Amy Wang spent a lot of time trying to figure out who coined that term. And we're thinking it may have been Post's humor columnist, Art Buckwald, uh, who held a party that Saturday night at his house in Georgetown and apparently used that phrase for the first time. But overall, this was a case that where the Constitution was in question because this was a confrontation of, of powers. The president's authority was being tested, and Richard Nixon was deciding that, that he had the authority to impinge on this investigation of his own actions. Eventually, the courts would say, no, you, you don't have that authority. You have to turn over the tapes, and that was the end of Richard Nixon. Nixon came close to firing J. Edgar Hoover at the time, who was FBI director at the time. But in the end, he didn't do that. Why not? J. Edgar Hoover, who served from 1924 to 1972, and that is not a misspeak on my part. He literally was head of the FBI for its first half century. And by the time Nixon came into office, Nixon really felt strongly that it was time for J. Edgar Hoover to go, that he was no longer able to do the job, that he was no longer really at the top of his game. And so uh, the Nixon White House staffers planned for weeks a confrontation meeting in the White House where Hoover would come into the Oval Office and Nixon would say, you know, uh, Edgar, it's time to go. And the meeting was held. Hoover came in, as is in 1971, and Dixon was unable to pull the trigger. I, t- I spoke to John Dean, who was in the White House counsel, and he said uh, that Nixon, quote, chickened out. Uh, he just couldn't bring himself to remove this legend from that job. It just gives you an idea of how momentous it is to remove the nation's head law enforcement officer, even if you are president of the United States. Right. And then Hoover actually ended up staying in, in the job as FBI director until he passed away, correct? Exactly. Uh, just a year later. Wow. So really the succinct version of this question that's now been repeatedly raised is, is Trump's choice to fire Jim Comey, is it Nixonian? And Bob Woodward, who is, of course, the legendary Post reporter who uncovered the Watergate scandal, he even weighed in on this question in an interview with Peter Stevenson. See, I think this is where I'm not inclined to go. Uh, Is this Nixonian, is Trump like Nixon, is Nixon like Trump, and so forth? Let's see what the evidence is. Uh, I think uh, evidence-based approach to this is essential, clearly polarized. I was just talking to somebody on the phone from New York screaming at me, you know, it's obvious that it's this way. And then somebody from the White House, oh my God, don't you see it that way? And uh, there is a little narrow ground in the middle. Let's, Let's find out what the famous question about Nixon, what did he know and when did he know it? Reasonable question to ask about Trump or anyone else involved in this. So, Mark, what's your take on this question? Is this Nixonian? Well, it's certainly Nixonian in the way it was done in this uh, this very uh, sudden way, a dramatic move on the part of the president for the purpose, it seems, of having some effect on the FBI's investigation into perhaps the president, but certainly uh, his campaign staffers uh, regarding their relationship with Russia during the campaign. That is where the Nixonian bit comes in, because obviously uh, Richard Nixon lost his presidency because of his 
his efforts to stop the investigation of the Watergate scandal. Yeah. So speaking of that investigation, Trump and Nixon, they're not the only presidents throughout history to have been investigated by the FBI in some way. How have other presidents reacted to FBI investigations? Well, it's never terribly uh, a good reaction because it threatens the careers of any president uh, who's under investigation. Obviously, we've had in recent years Bill Clinton under investigation and leading to his impeachment uh, in the Monica Lewinsky scandal. So uh, there's been a lot of experience with this. Some presidents handle it better than others. Clinton did push back to some extent, but uh, never interfered in the way that we saw Nixon interfere. So it, it, there's a temptation always to use executive power uh, to uh, for one's own benefit. Uh, but obviously, the history tells us that that tends to backfire. Okay. So one thing that we're trying to really get to the bottom of in this episode is exactly how much power a president has to stop an investigation. So in this case, Nixon took steps to fire all of these people during the Saturday Night Massacre. He, he tried to stop this thing from progressing. Yet the investigation, it moved forward nonetheless. So is that evidence that presidents can't really do all that much to kind of stop the momentum of swirling inquiries? Well, it's evidence that when a president tries to stop an investigation, there's going to be a backlash, whether it's from Congress, the courts, or the public. Uh, in some cases, uh, all of those power sources. So in Nixon's case, uh, he tried to push back against his own executive branch that was investigating him. Congress tried to stop him with the impeachment proceedings. Ultimately, the courts did stop him by ordering that the tapes be released, paving the way for what would have been uh, his conviction. And so uh, that was a case where attempts to push back severely backfired. In Trump's case, in this initial round, he's chosen uh, to go the way of confrontation, and he's getting the backlash that we would expect from the public, which has reacted with great outrage to this firing, and from Congress, where we've seen for the first time a significant number of Republicans breaking with the president and uh, saying that this was improper or at least poorly timed. Eventually, during Watergate, public sentiment toward Nixon, it got pretty bad. How much may public sentiment here sway what happens next? Public sentiment really has an enormous impact on the political branches, on the executive and on Congress. So as we begin to see this change in the way Republicans are talking about President Trump, that seems to be driven very much by the concerns that a lot of Republican congressmen have about their reelection chances coming up next year. So the kind of dialectic between the public opinion and what happens at the polls and how congressmen behave uh, is very much evidence just in these last hours as we've seen the reaction to Trump's firing of Comey. On the other hand, some of these issues eventually get thrashed out in the courts, and the courts are, as they're supposed to be, buffered from public opinion. Uh, and so we've seen courts that uh, end up on the same side as public opinion and courts that go in the opposite direction, and that's how it's supposed to be. That level of independence, especially at the Supreme Court level and the federal court level, where judges have lifetime tenure, that's supposed to protect them against uh, listening to uh, the vicissitudes of public opinion. So in terms of that backlash, as Mark just mentioned, there are still so many outstanding questions that contribute to the narrative that Trump may have made an effort to hamper the investigation into collusion between his campaign and the Russian government. Some of those questions are, 
Why did Trump wait until now to fire Comey if he's been disappointed in his performance for some time? And why did he fire him the week after he testified over the Clinton investigation? Furthermore, why did Trump fire Comey soon after he requested more resources for the FBI investigation? Also, Trump has now fired three officials who, at the time they were fired, were investigating his campaign or his administration. He fired Acting Attorney General Sally Yates. He fired U.S. Attorney Preet Varara. And now, of course, he's fired FBI Director James Comey. Are these things connected? And, and what do these firings amount to, if anything at all? Those questions, like I said, are unanswered thus far. But one question we can answer for you is this. Presidents have a lot of power at their fingertips, but can a president effectively shut down investigations he doesn't like? And what are the costs if he does? Here's where we land on this one. The president has some influence over the progress of an investigation in that he has the power to fire whomever he wants and to make some decisions about where resources go. Those things can certainly affect probing. Historically, though, it seems presidents haven't quite been able to stop the momentum of investigations. And as public sentiment turns, so does the pressure on Congress to take action. There you have it. Keep listening and we'll keep you updated. As always, you can follow me, Allison Michaels, on Twitter at Allison Mikes. And if you like this, please review us on Apple Podcasts, share it to all your networks, and please keep listening. We'll be back next week. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the wildly popular Carol Alderman with design help this week from Kat Rudell Brooks. Our logo art is the work of Loren Boglio. 